7th of October. This is Back from the Brink, and I am Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly. So it is now time to begin the day. Now, if you haven't done anything yet, or if you're just switching over from the radio show and you're joining us, um, we've talked about several things today, including the passing of Eddie Van Halen. Um, sad day for rock and rollers everywhere. Uh, he was definitely an icon, a, a guitar hero uh if you will and uh you know very distinctive player had had a had a sound that was him and when he started playing you you, you know he would go into some signature riff, signature riffs and you would go like yep i know who that is um very much like brian may of queen who has a very distinctive sound um you know and and you think about it of all the thousands of of uh you know guitar players out there and all the rock bands um throughout history it's hard to get unique sounds out of an instrument that haven't been heard before and yet he managed to do it in ways that were very distinctively him and uh and it's it's sad that we're we're talking about the fact that he's no longer with us he was 65 years old and been battling uh esophageal cancer and uh, apparently had lung cancer as well um but it metastasized was running throughout his body and he lost his battle uh day before yesterday so um, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. And today, you know, pepper your day with a little bit of uh, Van Halen and a few guitar solos. There is online a great um, piece of concert foot- footage of him doing the uh, eruption solo that on the original album when it was released was shy of two minutes, but it was, you know, fairly lengthy solo. Uh, the video is a 13-minute version of that. And while it's not something you may listen to over and over again, unless you're just uh, a huge fan or a guitar enthusiast, um, it's amazing how he keeps your attention for 13 minutes because he keeps making different sounds and different looks with it. I did note, though, that while watching the video uh, multiple times, he stops and takes a drag on a cigarette and then flicks one, and he's got one tucked up in the top of his guitar, and you've got to think that had something to do with his cancer and, uh, you know, shame on Philip Morris and the other uh, cigarette manufacturers for uh, continuing to uh, to make their money and their fortunes by selling poison to people. And, uh, you know, um, I, I hope that uh, that if you are still a smoker that you take note of that and try to kick the habit and say, you know, my life's important to me, and I don't want to do that. And you know, I've never been a smoker, and I'm and 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 people say, well, then how can you be critical of them? I can be critical of them because I've been around them. You know, uh, my mom has not been a smoker for decades, and yet when I was a kid growing up, she smoked. Uh, and for a period of time, when I was really young, my dad smoked as well. And so, you know, I was around it, and uh, and uh, my. Uh, you know, in-laws, uh, I watched one of my, my mother-in-law struggle with breathing um, in the last years of her life because she had been a smoker for so many years. And she had stopped for, oh, you know, 20 years plus. And yet it still had done, you know, the damage is done. Uh, and that's just a not a pleasant way to go, not being able to get air into your lungs. And um, uh, especially when you know that it was something that was done, you know, 
that they did to themselves um, because of the addictive nature of that particular product and the horrible damage that it does. The, um, you know, I know it would just, you know, you, you ban it and it goes underground just like, uh, just like prohibition. But, you know, to me, that's uh, just, there's no redeeming qualities to that product that they sell, and I wish that they would stop doing it. And uh, and these vape uh, e-cigs and vape machines are just as bad and just as addictive, and and uh, and and they're unregulated in a lot of ways. And we really need to get on that as well, and and limit the amount of of the addictive nicotine that they're allowed to put in them, and and stop people getting addicted to stuff that's not good for them um in and you say well you're as adults you know we can make our own choices yeah but we also quit selling ddt right because it kills the the animals in the environment and and is a horrible poison that has a long half-life and uh so you know we also have to make laws that make sense and you know if there was some redeeming value if you could tell me there's a reason cigarettes are out there then i would say okay maybe we should keep them but i don't see it all right, here's Aaron. Hey there. Hey there, hi there, ho there. We're as happy as can be. M-I-C. No. M-O-U-S-E. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, the original Mickey Mouse Club was well before my time, and the, the new Mickey Mouse Club was well after my time, and yet... <laughs> I still know those. Yeah, I still know that song. Yeah. Yeah, but you're just a babe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and when you were seven, I was uh, 15. So, yeah, it wasn't exactly the target audience for Mickey Mouse Club and after school television. So, yeah, I was probably walking around in my Van Halen T-shirt about that time going, dude. Um, I think their first one came out in 78. Their first album was 78. Uh, they formed back in like 73, but their first album was 78. And... Uh, and then they went from there. So, and to be honest, um, I probably wasn't a fan early on. My my musical taste has always run towards the band that, you know, after uh, ten years or so, if they're still cutting good music, then I start listening to them. <laughs> you know, when they're right out on you know pushing out new music today, I, sometimes I listen, but a lot of it I don't because I know a lot of it's marketing hype and and you know, and I've never been a big radio person. Back in cassette days, I listened to cassettes and bought what I liked and made my own cassettes. I would buy LPs and then make my own cassettes from the LPs, and then my LPs were my library that I would go back to and replace the cassette if the cassette got damaged. Yeah. Thank you, Dad, for that philosophy o music. You know. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's the guy who who the streaming services just don't work for because, you know, they don't have the um, Soggy Mountain Boys recording from 1942 when they, you know, I mean, that's, that's, he's looking, yeah, he, he's looking for, for some, some, um, you know, bluegrass and folk music that was, you know, recorded in the 
40s and 50s that just, you know, the, a lot of that stuff never even made it to CD. Um, but he he has gone and found lots of it and collected it up over the years. And he listens to his music collection that he has, you know, backed up and on a couple uh, devices. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it, too. Um, some amazing musicians in those genres. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about Eddie Van Halen and his guitar chops, but um, you want to listen to somebody start picking, um, you know, listen to some of the mandolin players in the uh, in the bluegrass scene, and those people can play. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I see. He's a resonator guitar and lap steel guitar player, according to the fine folks at Wikipedia. He plays the dobro, the resonator guitar, and the lap steel guitar, and guitar. He's a stringed instrumentalist. Yeah. Yeah, but here... Oh, sure. Yeah, they're very often very uh, narrative stories or biographical stories, and so um, very interesting that way. Just a short list of people he's played with. Garth Brooks, Ray Charles, Eric Clapton, Fish, Dolly Parton, Susan Ashton, Paul Simon, Mumford & Sons, Kreb Moe, Ricky Skaggs, Elvis Costello, Tommy Emanuel, James Taylor, Johnny Mathis. <laughs> he also performed on Brother We're Out There soundtrack, so he was one of the, um, of the Soggy, Mount, uh, Soggy Bottom Boys or the Foggy Mountain Boys or the whatever they were called. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was constantly in sorrow, and he was a foggy, soggy mountain fall fall boy. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Since 1988, he's also been a member of Allison Krauss and Union Station. So, uh, so you've heard his music probably and had no idea who that guy was, but you probably heard it. Uh, you know, most people don't pay as close attention to that as to like who's actually playing as as you and I might. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, I also compared Van Halen not necessarily in style, but in the fact that he created, he took an instrument that, that is a very common instrument played by every rock band everywhere, and created unique sounds from it. To um, uh, uh, Brian May of Queen, who also takes a guitar and has a very distinctive sound. And when he starts playing, you go like, "That sounds like you know that could be Queen," and you find out, "Oh yeah, it is Brian May." Uh, because he has a very distinctive sound that he makes with his guitar. Um, he very uniquely made his guitar in his garage with his dad when he was a kid. And, uh, yeah, yeah, his his red guitar that he plays. And uh, he's had a, a couple guitar. I can't remember which guitar company, but they made um, some duplicates of that guitar for him, and he occasionally plays the duplicates. Um, and then they, they also made a series so you can go buy a copy of what he has, but it's obviously not exactly the same and he sticks with his original most of the time.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I did, yeah. Um, they are among among the few that uh, are the, the the many that are beginning to that process. I think, which is is a little scary because what we're going to do is, I think, we're going to see not to be a fomenter of panic, uh, as one of our guests recently said that there will be a huge depression coming, but that um, you know, I think we're going to see a bounce up. Uh, a, a dip back. Is that the right word? Because we saw huge uh, unemployment when COVID hit. And then we've seen a pretty strong bounce back. A, the majority of people have gone back to work, although there's still an 8% unemployment, which is about twice what it was before COVID hit. Um, it's not in the double digits like it was for, uh, you know, several months. Um, but now we're going to see the dip of after that of okay now people have come back to work and now we're going to find out that there's uh, that that the way we consume and the way we move around and certain industries are going to find that there's not enough people to justify having everybody back at work and so they're going to start laying off because you know there are certain things people still aren't doing even if they even if you're in a state where you're you know there aren't restrictions on walking around and you know and and um uh you know, gathering like there are here in California, uh, people still aren't getting on airplanes in large numbers and people still aren't, um, traveling around as much as they were. And that's going to, uh, start affecting travel industry and, uh, the food industry and, uh, you know, and, and that'll snowball back from there. You know, the airplane industry, not as many airplane airlines are going to be buying airplanes because, you know, why expand the number of airplanes you have or spend money when you're, you know, not making money. So, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, percentage-wise, it's, you know, I mean, the thing is, and this is the thing that, that is scary about it, and I think that people are doing, is it, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot in a sense because, you know, there are p- perfectly healthy people who are younger who have died. The percentages of those are very small. The odds of that being you are very small. 
but it's scary because you don't know. So everybody feels like they're playing Russian roulette every time they, you know, step out of their house uh, and possibly expose themselves to somebody else's presence because you just don't know whether you're the one that that's going to be the next one that gets it and has a bad time with it. And, uh, you know, and that's just no way to live a life. Yeah, well, and, to, and and the sad truth of it is, is it's not really taken us to our knees. We've taken ourselves to our knees in fear of it. You know, I mean, if you really want to say it accurately, that's the better way to say it is that we have shut everything down in f of fear. It isn't like it came in and just gutted our society. Um, you know, now that said, and I do with all due respect to those who've lost their lives, there has been, you know, what, a million people worldwide that have died, that's not a small number. You know, percentage-wise of the 7 billion people on the planet, it's, you know, not a huge percentage, but it's a million people. I mean, that that's horrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What is the risk? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. The risks and benefits, you've got to you've got to weigh those both back and forth and say, well, what what makes sense for us? You know, and I think I think that there's there's a there's a middle ground that, you know, that is not like everybody stay home and hide versus everybody go back to like nothing happened. And, and, you know, and so we've got to, to find that middle ground and just use some common sense. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, the, the, the state of our news media and the influence of social media has, has made it almost impossible for us to come to a consensus on everything, especially in this country where everything is tinged with, you know, well, if you if you say this word, that means you're on this side of the political aisle. And if you say that word, you're on that side of the political aisle. And the two sides are not allowed to talk to each other or agree with each other on anything. Even even the definition of words now are in debate, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, in that environment, it's almost impossible to to have a a sane conversation with somebody. You know, as you've said many times, you've gotten jumped on all over social media for just posing a question. It's like, I'm not making a statement. I'm not making policy. I'm just asking a question. Why are we doing this? You know, or why is that happening? And and people immediately assume that you're, you know, uh, the evil incarnate for having even asked the question. Yeah. 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 Well, and and how dare you presume that I don't care about people? I'm asking a question. I'm asking a question. 
I care deeply about people, you know, um, uh, and and in fact, I care about them, you know, in, in, in areas beyond just this particular virus. You know, as you said, their 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 um, their mental well-being and their um, financial well-being. You know, there's more to life than than hiding from a virus. Um, you know, but to pretend the virus is no big deal and it's you know nothing is foolish as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about it um, there, you know, in 2018, there was 33,654 fatal motor vehicle accidents. Okay. Causing 36,560 deaths. So 36,000 deaths a year, roughly every year for how many years? And yet we all jump in our cars and and we don't live in fear of the fact that 36,000 people die every year. Now granted that's one third of how many have died from COVID, but COVID has happened once. This is every year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and exactly. I mean, it's, it's not it, all it is saying is, is, is look at the, you know, don't get don't hyperventilate about it. Look at the actual numbers. Look at the actual, um, you know, now that we have some actual numbers over a period of time and say, you know, what are the actual risks? Do a little bit of, of um, investigating and say, you know, well, you know, if I need to travel somewhere what is the real risk to me getting on an airplane? Or if I need to, um, uh, you know, go to the grocery store, what's the real risk? You know, should I have my groceries delivered or is the risk really pretty small? You know, especially if you're wearing a mask and you, you know, and you wash your hands when you get back home, the risks are actually pretty mitigated. They're not, they're not that high for you to go to the grocery store. You know, um, I mean, it's not like strangers coming up and hugging you in the, in the aisles going, Hey, we made it. We're alive. You know, um, I mean, you know, we don't touch each other anyway. We're not a touchy feely society for the most part. Um, you know, uh, the most you're going to get is a handshake from somebody when you greet them here. We're not like, you know, kiss on each cheek type of people. Um, it's just, you know, that's who we are. And, and so, you know, what, 
use some common sense. You know, just just say, you know, does this make sense for me? And 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 then figure out how to live your life because, um, yeah, the idea of everything locked down and shut down is is. I mean, it's driving me nuts. You know, my swim team has not been in the water since the middle of March. You know, and I talk to people on my team all the time. Uh, you know, we're texting and chatting back and forth, going, you know, what's going to happen? Is you know, the school district that owns the pool that we use, that we rent, is not letting anybody use that facility. Now, other school districts in the Orange County area are, and so far, to my knowledge, that's not been an issue for anybody. But our school district isn't letting it happen. So, what can I say? You know, yeah, I mean, the Tustin School District is leasing out their facilities to the people who had been using them before COVID, and they've been fine. They've been doing it for over a month. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what I've I've uh, been trying to push for. I put the uh, email addresses of all the school board members on our website, said, you know, here's who you need to talk to. Talk to these people lobby for things to be opened up. Yeah. Well, and so many kids have been spending so much time locked up in, you know, in their house doing online school and stuff that they need to get out and get some activity. You know, and if they can, you know, go out and spend an hour a day getting some exercise in in a safe fashion, then they should be doing that. You know, we're not, we as a species don't do well cooped up, not moving around. We we are, you know, uh, movement based. You know, one of the best things you can do for health is get up and move around. And whether it be, you know, I mean, I happen to like doing it in a pool or having, you know, being around the pool, but, you know, getting out and walking and moving and, and just, I can't imagine what what it must be like if you've got grade school age kids at home. It, it oh, they must be. They must be. I know my kids would be. You know, by this point. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I can only chase the dog around the yard so many times. Mm-hmm. 
Well, if they didn't know that he was a transgender male, but that they thought he was a male. And so, you know, aren't you pregnant? I mean, is different than, aren't you pregnant? You know? And we don't know the, the tone. And unfortunately, depending on where you are in the country, it doesn't matter what they say or how they, or even how they say it. It's how you felt, <laughs> which I think is, is, I mean, I understand the intention, but that is so ridiculous because I can say hello and somebody can say they felt offended and that I attacked them when I said it, you know, and it's like, really, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like the HR department probably got involved and said, fine, here's what you do. You know, document to us that you can't lift the, you know, the, the stuff we're asking you to lift. Yeah, may, and, and what was their work quality even before they went to them and said that they were pregnant? You know, they may have had issues with their work quality before that. So, um, you know, it may, may or may not have been related to the fact that, that he, he announced that he was pregnant. Um, you know, and he may have gotten harassed. We don't know that from this either. It does seem strange that after having been uh, put on paid leave that he was brought back in a demoted p position. He might have an issue there, but that depends on the state laws. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not like your job just sits there waiting for you. Somebody's got to do the job while you're gone. So somebody else got that position. So when you come back, that position may not be available anymore. Yeah.
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Although, you know, I, I think, frankly, you know, whether... I mean, the, 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 the fact that the person involved is transgender is a minor issue in in the case, actually. I mean, it has more to do with, you know, employee leave and harassment. Now, maybe they were harassed because they're transgender is what they're claiming. I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, we just don't know, you know? Yeah. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Have you watched Outlander? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and admittedly, I've not watched it. I've read about it. I had no desire to watch it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those are disgusting, some of those too. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's been some um some reality TV that uh talked about those, you know, and, and just I, I again don't watch it, but I've seen glimpses of it and it was like Oh, that's clearly not something I want to watch. It just no interest, no interest at all in in parents behaving badly and killed kids dressed up like tarts when they're you know ten. It's just disgusting to me. I, I had no no interest whatsoever. Um, there is a, uh, a Netflix representative that said that Cuties is a social commentary against the sexualization of young children. This charge is without merit, and we stand by the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Did you watch it? Yeah, neither did I. So, so we're both saying this. Basically, we should we should both probably start saying alleged because neither one of us have watched it. <laughs> Oh, you also oh, you've seen like outtakes and stuff. See, I haven't even seen that. Like, there's a, there's an official trailer that you can watch. That's that I've not even watched that. So, um, yeah.
Yeah, they, they have a little less body issues than, than the average American. Yeah. 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 We are uptight, but that's okay. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. Well, while we've been talking, I went ahead and launched the official trailer that's like a minute and 30 seconds long and so far I haven't seen anything at all in it that, that is provocative at all um, I also don't see anything in it that would be anything that I would be interested in watching at all but that's you know there's no laser guns and, and, and uh, I'm sorry what yeah 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 this one yeah they just say it's the official net Netflix trailer so off of YouTube I don't know um, I, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's following a bunch of, you know, 11 and 12 year olds. And it's like, I have no interest in doing that in any way, shape or form, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I think we're basically on agreement with the, you know, sexualizing of 11 and 12 year olds. That's, you know, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think that that's probably an age where there's a lot of kids that start getting curious about things as well, um, you know, but there's ways to film that in terms of, you know, accurately expressing how kids are trying to figure things out versus, um, you know, using it exploitively. And again, I didn't watch the film, so some people are saying it's done exploitively. Others are saying it's it's actually a commentary about not doing that. So I don't know. Um, I'll withhold judgment, but I'm not going to watch it. So I, I won't get a, you won't get a better judgment from me because I'm not going to watch it. It doesn't interest me at all. You know, uh, there's other things I'll watch. So Ted Lasso. Cool. Jobs. from Joycey. There you go. They're out there. You know that they are based in the Burlington Township in New Jersey. That's where they started. Thus Burlington. Yeah, yeah, kind of a warehouse version of that. They're, they're bigger. Generally, their facilities are large. Yeah. Yeah, first time I ever went to one was when we were in Pennsylvania and I needed a winter jacket. And so I went to Burlington Code Factory. 
because I do. I don't throw anything away. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to admit it. I actually, I say that, and I actually went through a pretty good spell of throwing things away. And um, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, I emptied out one of my two storage places. So I'm happy to say I'm no longer paying rent on two storage places. Um, and that, now I've got to work on reducing the other one. <laughs> yeah. What was it? A couple of years ago, we downsized significantly, so a bunch of stuff went into storage, and so that's why I had stuff there. And I'm trying to trying to zero that at some point, but it'll take a while. Yeah, yeah, and all this stuff that's in it, right? <laughs> it's like, why do, 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 do I need this stuff? Yeah, you know, I, my marching orders in my mind were. Have I looked for this in the last year? Not that I did I have it or you know did I find it or use it. It's did I look for it? If I looked for it, then I might have you know I would have used it if I could have found it, right? So everything I looked at, that was the question. And if I had looked for it in the last year, then I said, okay, then it's probably something that I should hang on to. And if it wasn't something that I was going to hang on to, then it would either go into the throw this away or donate this pile, you know. And so I took truckloads to our local Salvation Army to donate. I took truckloads to the dump to dispose of. And and then my I've used this or I've looked for this in the last year stuff. I tried to put it into organized and labeled uh, boxes so that I could then find it. So the next time I go looking for it, I can go to it and grab it as opposed to, hmm, I need something like this. Maybe I should buy another one, which explains why I have 14 staplers. Yeah. I was telling that to your daughter and she asked for a stapler, so I need to give her one before I throw my staplers away. Which by the way, I haven't thrown any of them away yet. But I Yes, and I won't. Those those will be those will be donated. Um but I, I will give one to your daughter. She can have the pick of the ones that are there and then whatever's remaining will uh go to a, a worthy cause because they are functioning staplers, but apparently I have a problem with office supplies. It's not something you realize till you start recognizing the fact that I have, you know, a box. And I kid you not, this is a box of empty spiral notebooks that I've purchased because I like paper. I have, and I kid you not, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight different uh, inch and a half th thick, probably 250 page diaries, each of them having maybe one page written on. I have purchased the same diary. They're the same one, by the way. The same diary. <laughs> Multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to cut out the page that was written on and donate the diaries. Um, I don't need eight 200-page diaries with one page written in them. Yeah. Yeah. They will get used. They will get... They will find a home. I just, you know, clearly, like I said, stationary office supplies. It's my weakness. It's my kryptonite. Who knew? I've got several boxes of staples to go with all the staplers. I've got paper clips. I have a box of thumbtacks. I can't tell you the last time I actually had a, like, like corkboard that I could put thumbtacks into. But I've got two or three boxes of thumbtacks. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I need to get rid of some thumb thumb thumbtacks. 
awesome. I will box them up and, and send them to you to keep in storage. <laughs> Seems like a better place than just a random um, uh, charity that they were going to go to otherwise, you know. Um, and I say just a random. There's lots of good charities out there. But um, uh, to be honest, most of the time my stuff goes to the local Salvation Army just because they have an easy drop-off spot. Um, and so very often, if it's something they don't take, then I work a little harder to find an, a home for stuff. But um, but they take most everything. So, um, you know, and, uh, pretty much space dependent. Like a lot of people, if you've driven past Salvation Armies, their their drop-off centers are very often big uh, tractor trailers. And so as, as long as they've got room in their trailer, they will take pretty much anything and uh, that they can, you know, repurpose or and or sell. Um, to use as a uh, funds to to uh, you know do the work that they do, and uh, and Salvation Army works with a lot of homeless people and a lot of um, uh, people who are um, you know not finding that have substance abuse problems and things like that that are have difficulty in society and so they do good work and uh, you know like a lot of um, uh, charities that. You know, there's a lot of them out there that people aren't aware of or just don't know about, you know, and you live in that that arena. So, you know, and, and, and are aware of probably a lot more than most people. But so often things like, you know, cleaning out your house, you know, your first thought is just throw all this stuff away. But there's a lot of things like that that can find a home somewhere else and help somebody. So uh, and, and it takes it costs you nothing other than the, you know, a few minutes of effort to figure out where to go drop it off and get it so that it can be used. So I encourage everybody to do that. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's stuff if they're not using it to build a habitat for somebody, then they say, "Hey, let's sell it." And it's like instead of going to Home Depot or Lowe's, you can go check and see if they've got it there first. And and you get what you need, and they and you're doing some some good and helping them provide some funds so that they can continue to build homes for people. We are time flies Whoosh. on a Wednesday. That was time flying by. Whoosh. That's right. We didn't even talk about that, did we? Tonight, tonight, we'll see if it's going to be a dog fight. What's your prediction? Uh huh. Yeah, he's got a very different style than his boss because he actually debates. Yeah, yeah. I I heard somebody say that if there's going to be somebody who's going to be the Trump in the room, it's actually going to be Kamala because she's the more combative uh, personality of the two. But you're right; they're both good debaters, and so let's hope that we actually have a real debate and we can look at these two and go, cool. Because given the health, given given the age and health issues with the presidents uh, and the and the presidential candidates, that these two, you know, this position is as important as it's ever been. So, um, so on that happy note, I'm Todd Brinker. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>